Calvary chapels have a distinct pre-tribulational, pre-millennial view of end-time prophecies. We are pre-tribulational because we believe that Jesus is going to come and rapture his church before the coming seven years of tribulation that's been prophesied that will come upon this earth. We are pre-millennial because we believe that Jesus is going to physically return to the earth and rule and reign for a period of a thousand years. By default, it should give us a spirit of evangelism if Jesus is going to come soon and deal with the nations of this world, then we should have a heart for evangelism to tell people about Jesus Christ. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 4, 13. Getting ahead of myself there. Romans 13, titled this, Putting on Jesus. We're going to grab the whole chapter, all 14 verses. We're going to see, submit to the governing authorities in verses 1 through 7. Love one another, verses 8 through 10. And knowing the time, verses 11 through 14. Secondly, we are to love one another, verses 8 through 10. And the context says, Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, and if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in the saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And so he teaches us next in verses 8 through 10 to love one another. And he tells us first and foremost that love fulfills the law here in verse 8. Now, he, in his saying, I just want to say this up front, oh, no one anything. Paul is not saying that Christians are to live debt free as if we are to completely own our homes or cars without a car loan or a mortgage. I do believe that we are to pay our financial obligations in a timely manner. This word for owe here, it means to owe, to be a debtor, and it indicates a personal obligation. He says, don't owe anybody anything, but if you're gonna be obligated to somebody, 
then let that obligation be of love. The Greek word agapeo is the word that is used here, and it refers to Christian love. And it is this love primarily for God himself, first and foremost, but also it is a love that we are to exercise toward others, toward men in general, both believers and unbelievers. It's not to be built on an impulse or feelings. It does not at times run the natural course of inclinations. It is to be that that we spend upon others. We love to seek the welfare of all, a love that works no ill toward any others, love that seeks opportunity to do good. As it says in Galatians 6.10, that we do good to all men, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we have an opportunity, as we made mention in the announcements, being able to go help assemble park equipment the first Saturday of October in the park that's just down the road from us here from our church. So very close to us, we used to hold our church picnics every summer at that park. And I decided not that it was bad to go to the park to hold a church picnic, but also that we have 10 acres of land here and we might as well use the property that the Lord has given us. But it's interesting, I learned about this opportunity to serve the community the same week that my youngest grandson said of their homeschool group that there's two basic parks that they would go to in a park day, field trip day. One in Gurney, one was over on the corner at Caboose Park. The one they're asking that help to assemble the new playground equipment. And he didn't know anything about this, but he made a statement, but their playground equipment, it's really not that good. 10-year-old's uh, view of Caboose Park. So they're going to get better equipment. Now, Pastor Kevin, when he was announcing this, he says the church is coming together to help. It's a community outreach. So it would be that hopefully it'll be us, the church, showing up with unbelievers in the community, working together, that they can see the church working for the good of community. Now, I know here we are talking about government and there is the attitude, the inclination of always, it's like, hey, this is why we pay taxes. Why don't they put it up for us? But what is wrong with the community coming together, working together, and uh, letting those who are not of the Christian faith see the church come together and work? And again, one of the pastors who helping to lead this in our area here he had mentioned on Tuesday, we had a lunch here at the church. He said, bring your families and let's just work together. Anyways, it's an opportunity to serve the community that we find ourselves in. And I hope that we can come together. We're to do good to all men, but especially those who are the household of faith. And I think sometimes we spend too much time doing good for those who are part of the household of faith without reaching outside the church. And it's good to get outside the walls of the church. He goes on to remind us in verses 9 through 10 that love does no harm. And he does this by repeating the second table of the Ten Commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear a false witness. You shall not covet. And then he goes on and says, if there's any other commandment, this one is sums up all the commandments. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So 
he's only dealing with man's relationship with other humans as we are out and about in this world, how we are to conduct ourselves. As we know, the first table of the Ten Commandments deals with man's relationship with God, but also here, the second table, dealing with man's relationship with one another. And the Ten Commandments were given to the nation of Israel shortly after they were freed from the bondage of Egypt, thus forming the foundation of the government by which Israel was to be ruled by, a nation governed by God. And as Christians, there's a question that's often asked. Are Christians obligated to keep the law? Is this something for the Old Testament only? Or are we to keep the law as well? And yet we find that all of the Ten Commandments find their way into the New Testament. There are Christians who... Uh, Apparently, their Bible begins in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. And they forget about everything that comes before that. But we find that what is taught in the Old Testament is supported in the New Testament itself. We find it here concerning the Ten Commandments itself. And this is a question that's often asked. Are Christians obligated to keep the law? But we find that Jesus himself affirmed the second table of the law, just like Paul gave us here, there was a time when Jesus was asked in Luke 18, verses 18 through 20, he had this question, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And perhaps Jesus didn't quote, you shall not covet, because he knew that this man had a covetous heart. But the gospel gives several evidences of Jesus keeping all the Ten Commandments. More importantly, Jesus said, do not think that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill Matthew 5, 17. Paul explains the purpose of the law in this way in Galatians 3, 23 through 24. Therefore, before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith that would afterwards be revealed. Therefore, the law is our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. The law points us in the direction of Jesus Christ. The keeping of the law, these are good things that again is being attacked in the world that we live in today. In our government, in our communities, we find that the Ten Commandments are either being taken down where they've been on display in courthouses or in communities, even vandals have come to destroy these things in the world we live in today. So they want to take away the Ten Commandments. And if they take the words away, how else can they know them unless we live them before others? You know, even if they take in every government building across the United States, they're taken away. In every park that they might be on display, they're gone. We can live them out before others. God has prepared for us good works to do. In Romans 8, 4, remember he said that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. 
Jesus again was asked in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Therefore, to those who love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, love their neighbor as their self, I believe they'll have no problem walking in the commandments of God. And it's through loving one another that Paul teaches us we fulfill the law of God. And then he reminds us, verses 11 through 14, that we are to know the time. Again, for the context, verse 11 through 14. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is far spent, and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as it is in the day, not in rivalry or in drunkenness, not in licentiousness or lewdness, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision to fulfill its lust. He says, first of all, the day is at hand. It's a mandate from Scripture that we are to live in the expectation of the Lord's soon return. In Titus 2.13, Paul wrote that we are to be looking for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The author of Hebrews actually teaches us how we can awaken from our slumber to hold fast to our faith. And we do this by exhorting one another in Christ by stirring up love and good works among each other, by not forsaking the gathering together for the purpose of exhorting one another, by not forsaking the fellowship of one another, by not forsaking coming to church, is what he was saying at that time. And we find that we live again in a society where the gathering together of the body of Christ is being forsook by so many within the body of Christ. They're just not coming to churches like they used to. I think there are a number of things that is causing this in our nation itself. We have, beginning back in the 1960s, we've pulled prayer out of our schools. We've pulled reading Bibles out of the school system. Now we are teaching currently in the uh, 21st century. We've discovered that we are teaching things that are of godlessness within our school system. We are raising up a society that uh, believes that we have evolved and not been created by God and that God is not real. And we are now currently seeing a decline within the churches in our nation. Churches are closing their doors. They're becoming community centers. They're becoming Muslim mosques, places of worship. And this is a horrific thing for me to see, I think it's, it's horrific, it's sad, and yet it is happening. It happened in Europe, and it's happening now here in the United States. It's one of the reasons why I wanted our fellowship to invest in this building once again. I don't want to see this place uh, become a place that is run down and not taken care of, but one that with pride 
we can give to our children as a house of worship that they might be able to uh, continue on the work that has begun here over 26 years ago. In Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, here is how the author of Hebrews said that we are to kind of awake out of our sleep, out of our slumber. Let's hold fast to the confession of the hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. Another thing I think that's playing into uh, churches getting smaller today, churches closing, I believe one of the reasons is the capability of online services today. I don't know who I was talking to this week. It was actually last week. They were talking about people are actually watching live services. They don't even get out of bed. I'm in my jammies, got my cup of coffee, got the video string going, worshiping God. Now, I could see if you're sick and in the hospital. I understand it. But if you're just avoiding going to church, come on. Let's get up. Let's go. Calvary chapels, though, we have a distinct pre-tribulational, pre-millennial view of end-time prophecies. We are pre-tribulational because we believe that Jesus is going to come and rapture his church before the coming seven years of tribulation that's been prophesied that will come upon this earth. We are pre-millennial because we believe that Jesus is going to physically return to the earth and rule and reign for a period of a thousand years. These beliefs cause us not only to solely fix our eyes upon the things of this world, it causes us to put our eyes upon Jesus and his soon return. By default, it should give us a spirit of evangelism. If Jesus is going to come soon and deal with the nations of this world, then we should have a heart for evangelism to tell people about Jesus Christ. Several years ago, I took one of the brothers uh, from another church through a study in the book of Revelation. And as we were going through the book of Revelation, one week he showed up and he said, I get it. Calvary Chapel's belief in the Lord's soon return gives you guys an urgency for evangelism. And then he went on to explain that the church that he had been raised in, because they did not have a fixed end times belief, he said that their people's eyes were fixed more upon the things of this world than the events that would lead to the second coming of Christ. We should know the time that we are living in. And he goes on to say, picking up in verse 12 through 14, let's cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let's walk properly as it is in the day, not in rivalry or drunkenness, not in lewdness or lust, not in strife or envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. We are to do three things. We are to cast off, we are to walk properly, and we are to put on. First of all, we are to cast off the works of darkness. This Greek word for cast off, it means to 
renounce or to lay down, and it's in the aorist tense, and it means a definite act. You cast them off, it's done. You're not casting them off to pick them up again. You lay them down not to pick them up again. It's done. We cast off in order that we are to put on. We cast off in order that we are to put on. I love this Greek word. The word is in duo in the Greek, and it means uh, to put on, as far as putting on clothing or dress. Uh, one of the commentators said it has this sense of sinking into a garment. I kind of look at it this way. It's cold. It's in the winter time. You have this chill, even though you're in the house and the furnace is working, it's not quite cutting it. And you get that favorite blanket and you put it around you and it feels so good. That's in duo, to put on. It feels good to cover up in that nice warm blanket. We are to put off in order that we would put on the armor of life. We are to put off in order that we would put on Christ Jesus himself. We are to put off that we could put on, as it says in Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14, he gave us a list of what we're to put on. We're to put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, but above all these things, we are to put on love. Secondly, we're to walk properly. We're to walk properly as it is in the day. I think Paul is saying you're to walk properly as it is if people are watching you. Don't you know that especially a great example are with our own children that we have seen, and maybe as a child we have done ourselves, that we act differently when mom and dad are watching or when others are watching compared to if we think that they can't see us or nobody is seeing us or it's nighttime. So as it is in the day, as if someone's watching, it speaks about the way we are to conduct ourselves in this life. We are to walk as it's in the day, as if someone's watching. And God, we know, is watching, but others as well. Colossians 2, 6 says, As you therefore have received from Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. We are to walk as believers in this world. Whether people are watching or not, we are to, to conduct ourselves as believers in Jesus Christ. And finally, we are to put on. We're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. The same Greek word in duo is used once again. Remember that image of sinking into that soft, warm garment on a cold day? We are to put on Christ like that. We're to put on the garment of Jesus Christ. We're to make no provision for the flesh. Uh, that word in the Greek that means to make no provision, it means to know again that's the literal meaning of the word, it, to give foresight or forethought about. We're to make no provision for the flesh. Now, the things that we have laid down, we've cast away, we're not to think about, to pick them up again. And I have just, in my lifetime, I've tried to stay away from things of the occult, tarot cards, fortune tellers, ESP horoscopes, uh, Ouija boards, astrology, leaf reading, yoga. That's big in the churches today. Got to get our yoga on. Mind expansion, mind control. 
sorcery, witchcraft, some of these things should be obvious to believers. But also I've been careful with the material I consume. I don't watch movies, I don't read books like Harry Potter or Twilight or a TV show called Charm. In my teens and 20s, yeah, I got into horror movies and stuff. I even find myself not attracted to these things anymore. The closer I draw to Jesus, the less I am attracted to these things. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, we have put on Christ. We need to watch what we are doing, how we conduct ourselves in this life, knowing the time we are to cast off the ways of this world that we might put on Christ Jesus. Father, let that be our prayer this day. We, we pray that we would have a heart that would seek to honor those who you have put in authority over us, that we would have hearts, Lord, that would love one another, and that we would have hearts, Lord, that would know the time, that, Lord, we would, in high time, awake from our slumber, that we might serve you and look expectantly for your soon return. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.